second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Welcome back to draft season. Boys, our savior is here. The prince who is promised. The one I've been waiting almost 25 years for. The God, Mike White from Western Kentucky, who won the Jets their second game of the year, throwing 400 yards for the first time in 20 years, which is still the saddest statistic I think I've ever seen. The Jets fans have literally watched a team go 327 games without a 400-yard passer, and that streak is finally over. And now I can't wait to talk to my guys about how we're going to build around the God, Mike White. James, how are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. You know, I wanted Justin Fields, got Zach Wilson, ended up with Mike White. It's all coming full circle right now. Happy to be here. Joe, I know you were a little down when we took Zach Wilson, but something tells me you're all on the Mike White train. Listen, you know, Mike White, it was a beautiful thing. Hopefully the magic continues for the uh, Thursday night game. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday and we're dropping it on Friday, so we don't really know the end result. But I hope we see a little bit of the same. I just want to tip my hat real quick to Mike LaFleur for emptying the Halloween bag and gracing us with some of those really wonderful treats we got to see. And hope we get to see them again. Dylan, we've had like actual members of media saying they trust Mike White more than they trust Carson Wentz on Thursday. What are your vibes with Mike White right now? Magic Mike White Lightning. I love him. I love the nickname value because I feel like nothing's really stuck with Zach Wilson to this point. Maybe Wall Street Wilson, but he hasn't played well enough to earn a like really good nickname yet. But yeah, I mean, there's some legitimate people in the media who do believe like Mike White is the guy for the New York Jets all of a sudden off one game, which was a great game. But I'd say pump the brakes a little bit, but also at the same time, I mean, I want to see what he does against Indy. I feel like there's no... He has nothing to lose at this point, and I think it would be pretty exciting to see him light it up again. I don't know if I'd love it for the debate about Zach Wilson versus Mike White, but it would be pretty exciting to see him light it up. Yeah, no, I'm like thoroughly convinced that Mike White is either just going to do this again and we're going to have even more of a narrative or Mike White's going to be like three for 12 for like 23 yards at halftime. We're like, oh, yeah, this guy went to Western Kentucky and was a fifth round pick. And he was behind and he was on the practice squad for a while. But honestly, the vibes are too high with Mike White. And it's good on this Jets staff that they actually were able to win a game with their backup quarterback. Like don't like when Darnold was at whatever Sam was hurt, like they would go 0-11, they'd score 10 points a game and they did nothing. So it was really nice to see Mike LaFleur, much like his uh mentor Kyle Shanahan, somehow get better at play calling with his backup QB. I don't really know much to make of that, but it's good to see going forward. But guys, we got another round table. We're going to talk about the offense led by Mike White, but I think we all, kidding aside, know that Zach Wilson is going to be the guy here. But we're all going to bring one player to the table at a different position because this Jets offense will look good on Sunday. It's still a work in progress. And James, I'm going to start with you. I know how much you love, love, love running backs. So who you got for me? <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Meeks is being a little bit facetious. I'm always talking in the group chat about how I don't want to take a running back early at all. And like, if it were up to me, I'd just like take UDFAs and seventh round picks. But um, there is a player who is generating a ton of buzz. He is really a breakout star on the college football scene after he transferred from Wake Forest last year to Michigan State this year. And the player that I'm going to be talking about today is Kenneth Walker. Walker right now through seven or eight games has 1,200 yards, 
14 touchdowns and is averaging seven yards in attempts. Um, you know, he has three 200 yard rushing games. He has two four plus touchdown games. He's truly putting up video game number stats. And so he might be in contention for RB1. And so he's somebody we got to discuss. When I sat down to watch Kenneth Walker, I didn't know what to expect. And my main takeaway from watching him was he's kind of a jack of all trades and the master of none. There isn't one trait that he has that stands out. I would say his best trait is his vision. Um, They have a pretty diverse run scheme where they'll run outside zone, inside zone, counter, duo, windback, pretty much all the runs. And you really see his vision show up, not necessarily on outside zone, but on a lot of the gap scheme runs where he's really quick to identify um, free hitters and he uses his change of direction ability to get out of the way. Now, I kind of struggled with him, honestly, as an evaluation because he doesn't do one thing super well. And so you're kind of saying to yourself, like, what's the X factor trait that's going to allow him to win the NFL? And the only thing I could compare, like, watching him to in his best moments was kind of like 2019 Joe Burrow when he would, like, make a guy miss, keep his eyes downfield, go one to two, another runner would come in and he would make a miss, roll outside the pocket and complete the pass on his third read. There's kind of like one of the appeals of Joe Burrow was that he wasn't physically talented, but he managed to put everything together and play really well. I feel like there's kind of a similar dynamic with Kenneth Walker. Um, In terms of draft capital, I think he's probably worth a mid to late third round pick at the highest. So overall, I would say he's a good player. He has a lot of great things to his game, but he isn't physically talented and he's nowhere near any of the top three running backs from last year's class. Yeah, James, I do agree with you. I like your Burrow point because, like Burrow, Walker was a transfer. I believe he transferred from Wake Forest, which isn't exactly a football powerhouse. And I think your point about uh, trying to find the one elite trait a running back has, and I think when you can point to all the top half of the league running backs, not even just like the Premier, the Dalvin Cooks, the Derek Hammonds, Christian McCaffrey's, they all have one thing that separates them. And I think when you're, when you're looking at a jack of all trades guy who does everything, he does everything good, but not nothing spectacular. That sounds like a fourth round pick. And that's kind of where I view Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker is going to win the Heisman this year because he had his Heisman moment against Michigan and no one's really separated themselves from the pack. And he's going to be the shiny guy. I think everyone you're going to see like all the guys on ESPN on like day two of the draft to be like, oh, the Heisman winner is still on the board. But I don't really see much with Kendall Walker. I don't think he's going to be in my top three running backs ever. I wouldn't spend a day one or day two pick on him. And I think Michael Carter, what we're seeing right now is a hell of a better player than Kenneth Walker will ever be. But Joe, you're my guy with running backs. You really know how to evaluate them. So I want to hear your thoughts on Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, I feel like you guys are underselling him a little bit. I'm a little higher on Kenny. I think if you're going to point to one thing that he's really good at, I think you could say, well, two things. One thing, he's really good at pressing the line of scrimmage. Second thing is improvisation. He really knows how to make something out of nothing. And that was on full display this past week against Michigan. Really good example. Nine minutes and I think 18 seconds in the second quarter. He comes downhill. There's absolutely nothing in front of him. It's a brick wall. He keeps pressing the line really gently, kind of stops in a very short area, changes direction, gets parallel with the line of scrimmage, quickly again, presses the line one more time so he can bounce it outside. Let me tell you something. When I saw that, I was like, we might have something here. 
because guys can't typically do stuff like that. Especially when he was pressing the line going downhill, he kept going forward. And that's when you look at a running back and you say to yourself, he has the potential to be special because that ability to press just that little bit of time longer is what set up that the rest of that play. So Jack of all trades, master of none. I can't say I agree with that particular take. I thought James was going to come out here and say he's completely overrated. So I'm glad he said some nice things about him. Do I think he's a fourth round running back? No, I, for me, I have him right now as a late second round, potentially early third round grade. I think he's a guy who you get in the third round who could potentially be your future back one day. I think he does have that skill set. And like James says, he has really tremendous vision. And hey, man, I think I'm into Kenny a little bit more than you guys. What do you think, Dylan? I think Walker's very, I, I loved the Joe Burrow 2019. And then I'll go back to that. I think that he's just kind of like, as you said, when I was looking at him a little more today in depth after you said you were going to pick him, is there's nothing crazy exceptional. I said they, he was not crazy powerful. He doesn't have great breakaway speed, but he's elusive. He has good vision at points. And I think he does bring a lot to the table. I honestly am going to agree with you, James. I value him more as like a mid-late third rounder. And I do think Michael Carter at the point he was at coming out of the draft is much better than I would put Walker at in terms of how I think they'll transition to the next level. Uh, I definitely think Walker's a very good player who is probably my RB1 right now, actually. But I also am not sold on a lot of the backs from this class. I didn't love Spiller. I didn't love Brees Hall. And I did evaluate Hall before this season. And I liked him more before the season. So I Walker might be my top back. And I think he could be the top back in an offense. But he just, as you said, James, doesn't do anything over the top. So I think that's honestly the biggest differentiator for him. He's safe. Yeah, James, um, I'll, I'll I'll finish up with you because obviously you've heard all our takes on Kenneth Walker. And has that shaped how you change it or do you feel pretty staunch in your opinion? No, I mean, I think – I feel like we're kind of coalescing around a similar view of him, that he has some really redeeming traits, but at the same time, maybe the exceptional statistical output isn't truly indicative of how talented he is. Um I just want to add like two more things. Number one is I mentioned they have a very diverse run scheme. I will say, I don't think he is an ideal fit for the outside zone system. He does show nice instances of running outside zone and, and really bouncing between gaps. But what I will say is I do think that his good vision would be maximized in a gap run scheme where he's more relying on, you know, which defensive linemen are peeking through gaps. And I guess just the last thing I'd say is I see him more as an early down player than a third down back. Um, in the games that I watched, which I think were four or five games, he caught the ball like three times and it looked fine, but he's definitely not somebody who has the pass catching ability anywhere near Michael Carter. Um, and so I would just say those are some things to note with, uh, with Kenneth Walker. Joe, uh, I know you have a guy that has been talked about a lot on Jets Twitter, and I know that everyone loves giving the Jets one more offensive lineman to put them over the top. And I know you've been dying to talk about this guy for a while, so let me hear it. Yeah, we were going to do him last week, but I pivoted to Tyler Lindebaum because, well, he's the hot name on Jets Twitter right now. But there's another guy, right? Ikem Ikonbu from North Carolina State. As far as Ikonbu goes, some things to note. He comes from a family of athletes. His mom was a track star. Father was an exceptional basketball player. And his brother is actually a linebacker at Notre Dame. He was also an all-state wrestler, which isn't shocking at all, considering how well he finishes defenders off in the run game. And he's incredibly intelligent being recruited by both Harvard and Yale. So it's not surprising how seamlessly he diagnoses stunts and blitzes. Now, as far as his football game goes, there's a lot to like. First, 
He's an absolute monster in the run game, a true mauler in every sense of the word. I, I think most of us who are familiar with him know that. And if you're not, check out that Mississippi State game. You won't be disappointed. He's feeding dirt to defenders every other play. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, the best thing about his run blocking is that he's scheme versatile, right? He can play in both a heavy gap or outside zone system, meaning he's both a people mover and has the athleticism to thrive in a system and a scheme like the Jets deploy. And they run a ton of outside zone at North Carolina State, so he's very familiar with the current scheme in place. He's really, I've said this before about players, but he really is. He's the perfect blend of strength and athleticism, and I'm sure he's going to be on everybody's radar. I know he's on mine. Hopefully Joe Douglas is listening. I, I'm pretty sure that he does. How's it going, Joe? Um, but you know what? Let's talk about his pass protection because that's where I had the most questions about him coming into the season. And I think he's made a lot of strides in the pass game, especially with his hand placement and timing. But I want to talk about two things in particular. First is change of direction. When you're an offensive lineman or offensive tackle in particular, you come out in a staggered stance, right? Your top foot is called your post foot. Your back foot is your kick foot. So his ability to drop that post foot and redirect on an edge rusher trying to cross his face from an inside move is seamless, it's effortless. Honestly, it's almost like he's floating on a cloud. And I was really impressed with that ability because a convo can at times overset and his ability to change direction so quickly really helps him recover and make the block. Secondly, pass sets. Now, offensive tackles have three pass sets they utilize off the snap, 45 degree set, vertical set, and a jump set. And what you really want to do as an offensive tackle is to vary your pass sets. And I talk a lot about this even last year. Guys who don't vary their pass sets become very predictable. The gold standard of varying your pass sets is somebody, if you guys want to check somebody out, was Rashawn Slater from last year. And I got to hand it to Dalvin because he really should have been OL1 in the draft. And if you look at his film and the way he's able to vary those pass sets and his footwork, it's elite. And you're seeing it on the field this year. So Akanwu does need to work on varying his pass sets, but he does something that's really kind of special. He's able to vary a pass set within a pass set. So what does that even mean, right? Really good to elite guys know how to come out in a vertical set, but then go to a 45. Show you a 45, go to a vertical. Go to jump set you, but then go to a 45. They really mix it up. So a number of times I saw Akanwu himself start out in a 45, go to a vertical. And I was just like... I think we got something here. This guy just moved up about 20 spots on my board because like I said, you only see really elite guys doing that kind of stuff on the field. So I think you can tell that I'm a, a big Akandu fan and I think he's great, man. I feel like if anything, he would be a really great insurance policy for the Jets because I know this might be controversial. We don't really know what's going to happen with Mekai Becton. Is Becton going to get a second contract from the Jets? I mean, maybe you guys could touch on that. If not, I mean, Okongwu could slide seamlessly into that left tackle spot in the future. But if not, for now, if they drafted him, he could play guard and he could eventually be our future right tackle. So that's what I have to say on Okongwu. What are you thinking about, Meeks? I mean, I loved your spiel. I think one of the things I really love about him is just he's like calling him a mauler feels like you're kind of like not giving him enough credit. He's just plain mean. Like when like he literally takes personal offense that a defensive lineman decided to line up in front of him. And that's what I really like about him is just how angry he plays and how hard he plays. But I mean, I guess I guess my thing with the offensive lineman for this class is just about like about I want to see if the Jets can develop offensive linemen. So that's why I'm not trying to put every single top tier one, because I think Akanwu is going to be a first round player. He's going to be a first round player for me. And I'm excited to see how he finishes out this year because North Carolina State's actually 
been a pretty fun team to watch this year, which is not normally the case. And I'm really excited to keep watching him. And I do, I honestly, Joe, when it comes to offensive linemen, you're always going to be the guy I'm going to go to. And I'd love that he has your stamp of approval. I guess my question is, is he best at tackle or is he best at guard? And I do like the versatility. I think that's going to become a big topic about that. So I guess that's really just want to see. I want to see him measure and I want to see as he keeps going forward. Cause I think he could be a really, really good guard. So Meeks, I don't understand when I said that he was feeding dirt to defenders, every other play that was not saying. That <laughs> honestly, I think, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, I honestly, I think, I think you gotta give him a little more respect than that. Like that man's out here stealing souls. No, he is. I mean, he definitely <laughs> treats people like they stole his lunch money in first grade and he doesn't discriminate. He pretty much treats everybody like that. And he beats the crap out of them. You're, you're absolutely right. But I, I think I did do him justice when it came to the running game. James, I'll, I'll go to you. After using back-to-back picks in the first round on an offensive lineman, how do you think Akam was going to gel with the, with the guys that we have on this Jets team? Yeah, well, I think um, – I, I want to talk about the point that you made, Neegs, which is that everybody else in the league develops interior offensive linemen. They don't spend like $20 million a year on them in free agency or spend the first-round pick on them. And I think like there's this innate tension between – us trying to do everything humanly possible to help Zach out. And then also being smart with how we spend our pick and realizing that, you know, we have a finite amount of them and that there is opportunity cost to taking a traditionally less valued position earlier on in the draft when we have a lot of needs. Um, so I, so I do think, and I don't have any great answers right now. And I think a lot still needs to um, kind of play out just in terms of seeing how the class shakes out. But um, I did want to ask Joe um, and kind of toss it to him. Compared to last year's class with Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell, Alex Leatherwood, and Christian Darasaw all being the first-round tackles, how do you see Equanu in comparison to them? Uh, that's a good question. Right now I have Equanu as a top 15 player on my board. I would have ABT ranked higher than him. I believe that I would have him ranked higher than Darasaw. So he would be, for me, in between that range right there. Right now, he's the third best offensive lineman on my entire board. I got, obviously, Neil, who, believe it or not, if Aquanu keeps playing better, he may, you know, leapfrog him. That's how high I'm on this guy. And I have Linderbaum in front of him as well. But listen, there are, there are things he's got to fix, just like everybody else. He tends to lunge sometimes when he shouldn't. He gets a little top-heavy. He loses his balance. A really good example of this is against Miami at the end of the first half, where he almost got his quarterback crushed. And luckily the running back actually picked up his slack for him. So definitely some things to refine, some things to work on. But when you see the full body work and you see the potential, I got really excited. But of course, like me said, and you guys know, I do kind of like watching offensive linemen more than other positions. So that could be, you know, a result of that. But I think if the Jets pick them, you shouldn't complain about it. Because like I said, it's not just that he's an interior guy. I understand the idea of wanting to develop an interior guy, pick him later in the draft and develop him. But it's like I said, man, this could be your future right tackle. He could be your future left tackle. We really don't know what's going on with that guy. Let's be real. Come on, nobody's talking. Everybody's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's great. And everybody who says anything bad about that guy, they're trying to like cancel on Jets Twitter. Dude, the guy gets hurt a lot. Last year, he had all these damn ailments with a shoulder, a chest. Now he hurt his knee. Come on, man. Like, we don't know what's happening. Tell me happening. how you really feel. What's that? <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Jeff. I'm telling you how I really feel. I'm the one who keeps it real on here. I'm the only one who told <laughs> the truth about Zach Wilson, too. Wake up. <laughs> Joe, I lo- see, Dylan, this is why I'm so excited to have you here because, like, I expect this from Joe. I know what I expect from James. 
I have no idea what to expect from you. So let me hear your thoughts. So I'm going to start off agreeing with Joe and I'll, I'll join you on this whole, we should be concerned about Makai Becton because I truthfully, I'm with you, Joe. I am. I, it was my biggest worry with him at the start was how is a guy as big as him going to be able to consistently be durable? And he hasn't. And I'll say it openly. He hasn't. And it concerns me. It really does. Here's where I disagree with you. I don't like him at tackle. This guy, Aquanu. I don't like him at tackle. I will be very open about that. I think he struggles in pass protection. And I said this before the season, and I'll say it now. He does, as you kind of mentioned, he goes off balance a lot. It's not just a little bit. It's a lot. His hand placement has improved, but it still concerns me. His IQ is strong. I do like that. And he was rated most feared offensive lineman in the ACC for a reason. He's a hell of a run blocker. He's probably the best run blocker in this class. I could say that. However, Linderbaum is still number one. I would put Neil two, and then I'd have a Quanu three, and it's not close. I, I like him, but I do believe that if we have the shot to get him or, or Linderbaum, I'm going Linderbaum. If we had the shot to get Derisaw or him, I go Derisaw. It's it, not that I don't see Aquanu fitting in well, but I just feel like if he's on the board and there's another position of need, I think we go somebody else, which I'm sorry because I do believe he is a great run blocker but I don't like him as a pass blocker and it concerns me just because we're already kind of dealing with a concerning situation right now with where is Makai. I want a more stable, consistent lineman. So I'm ready for the fire back, Joe, but that's my opinion. And I'm not going to be shy about it, about Connor. Damn Dylan, you need to go back and watch the film, my friend. <laughs> you really, you really got to go back and watch the film. That little nuance that I mentioned about him burying a pass set within a pass set. You don't even see like some of the elite guys doing that at the next level. And you have to really be looking out for it. When I saw it, I was like, almost dropped the pen and said, hey, Kanye, that's my dude. Like, trust me, go back and take a little bit of a closer look. He's a lot better than what you're saying. I'm just, there's, shades, there's shades of Slater in his game. And I will say that I do believe there's that kind of side, like you just said with the past sets, that I liked about Slater a lot. Because I was with DA last year. Slater was my one. over, And then it was Suell. But I do, I'm just concerned. And maybe I need to go back and watch a little more of it. And if we can reevaluate this in a couple of weeks after I do, but right now I'm just kind of not entirely sold on him. If we were doing buy or sell, I'd probably sell right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dylan, I love it. I love it so much. See, Joe normally yells at me for my takes and I'm, gets mad at me and I'm glad that I got someone else that's poking the bear. So I'm so excited for that. All right, Dylan. There's a wide receiver who's been a, also controversial in our Slack chat. And he plays for our own Will Parkinson's, his USC Trojans, that he can't stop talking about this guy and his love affair for him. So why don't you take it away? 
So I'm going to start to think the honeymoon is phase is over with me on draft season after this one, because I know James definitely disagrees with me on London, and I'm curious to see how you guys feel. So I think starting off, he's a freak, and I said that a lot last week, but this is the one player I'll say it with this week. It's going to get beaten to death throughout this whole draft season about him playing basketball and playing football at USC, but he really is a very good athlete. He's a contested catch guy, like we mentioned. I would say maybe the top contested catch guy in this class I think he's a yard after catch guy but I'm going to go kind of at his shortcomings because we kind of talked about this a little bit in slack chat James he cannot run the long routes as well as Garrett Wilson as well as Olave and as well as Jahan Dotson but he is pretty damn good at the short intermediate routes I would say and I kind of had two comps for him so I had the if we go top tier I had him kind of, I went two, six, five receivers. I went all the way back to Doriel Green Beckham, not very far. Beckham was a guy who was second rounder who I liked, a lot of athleticism, and then didn't really pan out, had a lot of volume in college as well. And then I had Vincent Jackson, who also had a lot of volume in college and had some really strong plays, played basketball in college as well, and was offered scholarships for both. I think there's that top tier where he can be a freak athlete, guy who you don't think should move as well as he does as somebody at 6'5", but also can make those contested catches. But I could also see, kind of like you talked about a little bit, James, with last week with lack of versatility with some guys, he could be that kind of guy where his lack of versatility kind of pigeonholes him in that Doriel Green Beckham spot where he can't necessarily find a role so I am a little I do have concerns with him at certain parts of his game but I think the raw skill set that he has is something that really is going to vault him over some of the other receivers for me in the class Ooh, Dylan I like it I Drake London is a guy I like I really think he has really good yak ability for someone his size my biggest question with him and actually it's apropos now is health because you see bigger receivers get hurt, like Mike Williams, who I really liked, and I love the Clemson. He gets hurt a lot. Kenny Galladay, who you see with the Giants, he can't stay on the field. And now London fractured his ankle. And there, I think there's just something for, you know, bigger guys fall hard. And I think that's a question that's going to have to be answered with Drake London. Also, in terms of versatility, like, I was really happy that he was actually playing X receiver this year because before this year he played exclusively in the slot. And I think that's good, having a mismatch weapon you can put in the slot. But – like, I don't know how many teams are would are going to be wanting to put, like, a 6'5 receiver consistently in the slot when you have those smaller, shiftier guys. And I think you want him being, like, that backside X who can just be on their side, doesn't need the trips or the bunch formation to help them get a release, and can just win off press with how strong they are. So that's why I'm not 100% sold on him in this scheme. I'm also not 100% sold on him in the first round, which is where I think he's going to go. But he's an intriguing player, and I just think uh, it's just a bummer you're not going to get to see more of him. And I want to see how truly athletic he is, what is that vertical like, how good is his lateral movement, his lateral agility, and really get a, get the full picture. But Joe, I know you really like Drake London, and you disagree that you really see a fit with him and with the Jets. So let me hear it. Yeah. If you don't think Drake London is a perfect fit for the Jets, you got problems. All right, Michael Megan? What? No, I'm just playing. Listen, Drake London can play every single position on the field, right? He can play outside. He can play inside. You can isolate him outside against single high or whatever, two high shells. He's going to go. He's going to make some money. Fact of the matter is the biggest problem that the Jets have with Denzel Mims is that he can't do that, right? They're all like, well, he can't play all three positions. Guess what? Drake London is the exact player that they were all hoping Denzel Mims could be. Now, I'm going to compare him to a player because I think that they actually have some very similar playability. 
There are bigger body receivers who have that yak, right? Big guys who could actually do stuff with the balls in their hands. Dare I say it, Michael Megan, Drake London is a Devontae Adams of college football. Yeah. Okay. Joe. Now, when you look at when you look at we should end the podcast. When right? you Joe. when you look at Devontae Adams and you look at nobody knows this, but Devontae Adams has been top five, top five to ten in yak yards after catch for the last four to five years. Last year he was actually first in yards after catch. When you look at Drake London this year, he's actually fourth in yards after catch. They both average about the same yards after catch per reception around five. They do very similar stuff on the field. You can use him exactly the way the Packer used Devontae Adams. Now, listen, he has a long way to go before he becomes Devontae Adams. I fully acknowledge that. But as far as playing style and utilization and how this Jets team can use him on the field, Devontae Adams is a perfect example. All right, I see James is going absolutely bananas in the background, going crazy for unbeknownst reasons to me. But um, either he likes my comp or he's just laughing at Michael tweeting him something over there in the background. What's going on, James? Oh, Joe, are you done? I am done. I don't know if my ears can take it anymore. You know what? I'm going to tell you something real quick. Last year, I told Mike, I said, there is a receiver in this class who is close to perfection. Mike doubted me. The guy's looking like the best wide receiver in all of football right now, Jamar Chase. Let me say one more thing right now. There is a player in this draft who is a perfect fit and a perfect player for this Jets team and this Jets scheme. His name is Drake London, Michael Megan. Believe yeah. it. Yeah. So you right. mean Jamar? Wait, wait, wait. The, the Jamar Chase that Brandon Eccles locked up this weekend? That Jamar Chase with like 32 yards? <laughs> Listen, even a blind squirrel finds a nut, my friend. All right. <laughs> so, first of all, uh, Will Parkinson, you may want to cover your ears. This is not going to be pleasant. Anytime you hear Drake London's name brought up, First thing people talk about is him playing basketball for the USC basketball team. And I just checked his stat line, courtesy of sportsreference.com, and he averaged three minutes and uh, an offensive rebound a game. That's it. So he doesn't play. As far as I'm concerned, that's not a sufficient example of his athleticism. Now, second of all, going on to the more serious things, can you find me video of this guy catching a slant? Like, I'm serious. I think this dude has dropped, like, 10 to 12 slants this season. I watched four games. He's dropping them left and right, but he makes the difficult catches, which makes it even more like annoying. The fact that he's just like all these concentration drops are happening. Now I will say Drake's very athletic. He's very fluid, especially for a guy who's six, five, but at the same time, I don't know how well he tests because according to the USC directory, he's 210 pounds. And so like, if he's going to run like, I don't know, four, uh, like what four four eight four five two like in that range like I think the athleticism is kind of like undermined by his lack of weight like despite being six foot five now I really question whether this guy is a better prospect than Denzel Mims was when he was coming out in the draft because in Denzel Mims you had like an actual receiver in Drake London you just have a guy who catches contested catches and he's just like an animal after the catch and like Mims fell to what 59th pick in the draft and look how his career is panning out like sushi be damned I, I just don't I don't really see have you guys even watched break London like what is this blasphemy on this on the, Bro, on the are you serious? Bro, I watched I Washington State, Oregon State Colorado and Utah and I showed you Drake London in the spring last year yep what did I say about him I said he was a little stiff right well, I rewatched, yeah. <laughs> I rewatched him, and he's made some huge strides since then. 
Listen, no, you, could throw him a, gonna... you could throw him a screen pass. You could, you could rock him on the slant. You could send him on a go. His route running is a lot better than you guys are saying right now. Last year, James tried to tell me that Rashad Bateman was wide receiver one. You tried to tell me Devontae Smith was wide receiver one. I had to put you guys in your place. Let me put you guys in your place with Drake London. Do the baller. Okay, right. Joe, I got one last Drake. question about Drake London for you. Then I got to go back to Dylan because he was the actual person who brought this up. And although it seems like you're banging the table even more for him. But when you brought up Devontae Adams, the coolest thing that Adams does to me is how he's basically an extension of the Packers run game. And so many of those quick first down throws are basically just like screens to Adams that just get those five yard chunks. So they can live in second and five, second and three, and just their entire offense opens up. Do you see Drake London being that like that possible in the NFL as that kind of weapon. Absolutely. You see him, you watch the film, man. They throw some nice screen passes to him and he gets the yak. He gets those yards they have to catch in that context. So I believe he absolutely could. Listen, Devontae Adams, me and you, Meeks, have some different takes on obviously evaluating players, but we do love a lot of the same players. We both love Devontae Adams. We both love AJ Brown. We both love Nick Chubb. Devontae Adams is special. He's, his football IQ is through the roof. His releases are ridiculous. His route running is amazing. I'm just saying I can see a similar playing style in order for him to become Devontae Adams is going to be, come on. I mean, nobody's Devontae Adams, but I do see a ceiling over there where he could be a really uh, an elite receiver. And I do think that their play styles are comparable. That's why I brought him up not because I was saying he is Devontae Adams. Let's not, let's not get that mixed up. Okay. No, I just, just want to see which part of Devontae's game that you thought he could replicate. Cause obviously he's not coming in with those releases day one, which is my point. Oh, but, sure. uh, I, I, I agree with that part for sure. Yeah. All right, Dylan. So you got any last thoughts about the player you brought up that Joe kind of hijacked? Um, I'll, I'll end it on a more moderate note because so coming into it, I was kind of, I like London. I think there's so many raw skills there that he can be a really strong receiver at the next level. I don't know if I'll go the Devontae Adams route. And I also don't know if I'd go the Denzel Mims route because I could see him falling to that point and ending up in that Mims kind of role. But I, I do think, Joe, you did kind of hit on a nice point of that he is more – he's closer to fitting in the offense than I think he actually was because – I don't know. I'm still moderate between the two of you on him. I like him a lot in terms of what I think he could bring to the table, but there's also parts of his game that do scare me. And I do think are more Mims like than they are Devonte Adams like, but I think that there is the potential there for him to be that Vincent Jackson possible wide receiver one in an offense. But I don't know. I'm more moderate on him, but I think between the two, than the two of you are, I'm not going to bang the table one way or the other. I'm more of just a wait and see, but we won't really get to see though, because now he's out with the ankle injury. So. All the experience that he had in the slot last year is going to pay dividends in the NFL. I mean, it really helped turn him into this like multifaceted receiver. I can agree on that. And also he's had a high, high volume in that offense. And that was something I said with Vincent Jackson. So he's already used to getting a ton of action his way, which I think is pretty good for him. So I don't know. I think there is that he could very well be the biggest boom or bust receiver in this group, I could say. Yeah, he could be Devontae Adams or it could be Devontae Parker. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. But uh, alrighty, guys. Um, I think the player that Jet Twitter might hate the most, besides Greg Van Rotten, is Ryan Griffin. They question why is he still on this team? Tyler Croft is okay. Like, he's fine, but he's a guy who can't really stay healthy. He gets hurt a bunch. He got hurt a lot in Buffalo, and he's already missed some time with the Jets. 
And uh, yeah, the Kenny Aboa dream, like I, I just don't think it's happening. I just think like Jets fans get attached to a practice squad player that had a couple plays against Alabama, and they're like, well, this guy could be something. But I think the Jets really need to focus on their tight end room, and I think they need multiple of them. And I'm going to my backyard of Long Island to find my guy at Ohio State University, and that is Jeremy Rucker. Now, Jeremy Rucker isn't like the Travis Kelsey's, the Darren Wallers, the Kyle Pitts tight end prospect. He's not a guy who's going to get who gets all the volume. He's not a guy who flashes like like he's basically a receiver playing tight end. He's a little bit of a throwback, but my god, do I love watching that guy play. He's every like once, twice every game. Henderson on Ohio State breaks a run, and you just see, oh, yeah, Jeremy Rucker sprung with this beautiful ceiling block, and he just moves dudes in the run game. And I think the Jets are an offense that really want to run the ball, and I think you need, for the guy, a team that loves playing in 12 personnel, you're going to need actual tight ends. And to me, Jeremy Rucker is a really, really good tight end. I think he's going to be a top 50 player for me. I wouldn't have any problem spending a pick, like a second-round pick on him. I think he's going to be that good. I think – Joe Douglas took this guy in 2018 with when he was Philadelphia Eagles, when he was running their draft, Dallas Goddard. I think Jeremy Ruckert is that type of player. Joe, I know you love him too, so let me hear it. You know, it means I think you did him justice. Ruckert's a beast. I love him from a blocking perspective, and he's not utilized nearly enough in the passing game over there at Ohio State either. I could see him coming into the NFL and really having a much better NFL career than collegiate career. And, man, I would love him on the Jets. We need somebody like him. I will urge the Jets to make a trade or to sign somebody in free agency because just like Rucker, like most tight ends, it takes them a while to develop. So for him to come in and have an immediate impact, I think he can, but not like the one that I think Jets fans are hoping for. So I'm going to mention a player out there. He's not in draft season, just somebody who I liked years ago in the draft. His name is Foster Moreau. He plays for the Oakland Raiders. Joe Douglas needs to dip into that bag and make an offer to bring that bad boy in here and then drafting a guy like Ruckert as well. And now you're having a badass tandem right there, there of tight ends that I think could have an immediate impact together on this team. Yeah, no, my, I, I have the prayer circle every day for Dalton Schultz and free agency and Jeremy Rucker in the draft. That's all I want, man. That's all, all I want. J- James, I know tight end is not a premium position, so I'm divvying from the pack here. So what are your thoughts on him? No, I love Ruckert. I think you guys did a great job talking about him. Um, unfortunately he's off my board since he may or may not have violated Andrew Booth in the uh, semifinal game and absolutely crossed him up on the touchdown. But, um, I think the thing that stands out about him is Jeremy Ruckert has incredible hands. I mean, he's made a number of one-handed sick catches in his career. One of them came last year against Alabama in the national championship game on like a tipped ball where the corner was draped all over him and he still made a one-handed catch over the middle. As you said, great blocker, limited usage in college, which kind of reminds me of how Dawson Knox only had caught 30 passes in his entire college career when he was drafted in the third round by the Buffalo Bills in 2019, but still has carved out kind of a, a pretty good career so far. So he's definitely somebody who I'd like to see on the Jets. Dylan, so let me. See, are you going to make it four and we got a consensus agreement with Jeremy Rucker? I think we do. I think this will be the probably the best way we could have closed out these four prospects. I like record a lot more because I like what he could bring to the table for Zach Wilson or maybe Mike White, but more likely Zach Wilson. I just think that 
tight end's a position that gets undervalued, especially in this organization. And the fact that we tried out Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft out there, uh, not necessarily Croft, but more Griffin and had been Daniel Brown is very concerning to me. And you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's thrived so much because of Mark Andrews and look, a lot of these young quarterbacks have those tight ends they can rely on. And I think that that could be a very underrated big value for the New York Jets. And I like what you said, Joe, about bringing in a vet as well. And I think it doesn't have to be some big name guy, but I think just somebody we could platoon him with. Maybe it even is Tyler Croft. I mean, Tyler Croft's not been exceptional, but somebody that you could kind of let Rucker learn behind and split reps with because he's refined. He does bring a lot of good to the table, but he hasn't had that high volume and hasn't been in that big expanded role yet. And I think he can thrive in it. And I think like you said before, um, I think it was me who mentioned it about Goddard and him showing Joe Douglas showing that he values tight ends very highly. I think this could be a kind of right up Joe Douglas's radar second round pick that we talk about happily, but maybe isn't valued as highly by a lot of Jets fans. But I'd be ecstatic if he was a New York Jet, truthfully. Yeah, no, my final point with Rucker, and I think this is something that all Jets fans should be okay admitting. It doesn't mean that he's doomed, but Zach Wilson struggles to throw the ball over the middle of the field. He struggles to see it. And if you can get him targets, you can have, make it open up and make those throws where it's just hitting open guys more than it is making those tight windows throws and really help him grow. Uh, I think anyone should be on board with that. But that's going to be all for our roundtable. It got pretty contentious. I was very, very excited to hear that. Uh, Joe, are you okay? We good? We good? Great, Meeks. Listen, this is what makes an entertaining show, my man. You know, we can't agree on everything. Yelling at you is one of my most favorite things to do, by the way. <laughs> I love to hear it. All right, guys, next week we're going to be back with four defensive prospects that we're going to talk about because Robert Sala and Albright are doing a pretty good job, but this defense needs some talent, and this draft I think has a lot more defensive talent than it does offensive talent, so I'm really, really excited talking about about that with you guys next week. Make sure you sub to the pod. This will be dropping on Friday. And make sure you're sub to Badlands with Joe and Connor. They're doing a great job with coverage. And TOJ is going to have all the Jets coverage you need this season and the offseason. So we'll see you next week.